0: Hey, everyone, this is Eric, and welcome to the CBC Podcast, Behind the Pulpit. This Sunday, we continue our series, What Makes Community Work? And Pastor Brandon talked about the importance of authenticity. Today, I'll be joined by Brandon and Donna to discuss Sunday's message. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening. All right, well, I am uh, here today with Brandon and Donna. Welcome, both of you.
1: Hi. Thanks.
0: Well, it's good to, to be here and... Um, Donna, welcome back, and before we get into the sermon and the message, uh, tell us how your trip was.
1: It was great. I have a new granddaughter, and she loves me, and I love her, and I was very helpful and useful, and cooked all their dinners, and took care of Emily, and it was great. I'm a little jet-legged and sleep-deprived, so who knows what I'll say today, <laughs> but I'm glad to be back, too.
0: Oh, good. Well, it's going to be fun, then. <laughs> Well, we continued our series this past week, What Makes Community Work, and Brandon talked about authenticity and just the importance of of being authentic and what that looks like and how we can go about doing that. And and having uh, given the message now, Brandon, is there uh, kind of a reflection, anything in hindsight that uh, you want to reemphasize or anything you want to add from what what you shared on Sunday? Uh...
2: I, I know I should have been prepared for that question because we start with that every time. <laughs>
0: um
2: No, not really. I mean I, I feel like um Yeah, just coming out of it, I feel like like it was good to to just kind of hit on that issue and um kinda come at it from, from a little bit of a different perspective than I anticipated. You know, I I kind of drew that um that distinction between kind of just our typical way of viewing authenticity. Like you just have to try really hard to not care what other people think and just this, I think, whole larger picture of what it is. And so I think, I think that was kind of exciting to think about. And I think that would be the one thing I would just kind of emphasize is like how, how vital what we do for others is. You know ev- even, even more so than than I think what we do ourselves, and that being kind of a different way to view authenticity, but um yeah, no, I mean <laughs> other than that, I mean um yeah it was it was good to to hear from people who um just were encouraged by it, yeah.
0: oh, awesome, Donna, do you have any thoughts? I know you weren't here, but you listened to it over online, yes. so
1: and I listen to it very differently when i when I'm just listening or when I think I have to remember it. And I thought I was just listening. I didn't know I was going to do this podcast. So I <laughs> Until remember. 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, I so I don't remember a lot of it well. But one of the things we talked about before the you did the message was, um, I think authenticity is a positive value for your generation. But for my generation, it's not. You know, we were raised to be nice mm. and to put up the facade and to not be authentic, to hide who we are. So I think... Authenticity is for a lot of maybe the older people is what scares us most about small groups. And Mm. I think you address that in the message, which I thought was really good. Um, But I feel like a lot of people come from to this to this concept with different feelings and backgrounds and fears and um, desires for what authenticity means. And so, yeah, I feel like you address all of that really well in the message, Mm. but it's a good thing for us to remember as we approach the whole idea of community too I think
2: that's an interesting idea that it's it's kind of a it's kind of a new value mm-hmm. because it is so big, like I mm. said, it's kind of universally prized, maybe more so for my generation than for yours mm-hmm. and that was a tension that I ran up against in preparing, like I said, right like authenticity isn't in and of itself a biblical value mm. it's connected to other values mm-hmm. like being known, being honest, not being judged. You know, there's it, it, the Bible kind of skirts around it in an interesting way. And it's definitely not anti-authenticity. It's just not a word. Uh, there's not a lot of language for it in scripture that that matches up one for one. Mm-hmm. And so I think I, I, I had to kind of wrestle with that a little bit, too, of like, what's the biblical value here? Because authenticity is the cultural word for for the value you know so um i definitely think that it's still something that's good for a community and it's still something that is biblical but i did have that thought like is this is this something we're importing into mm-hmm. biblical community or is it inherent to scripture's picture of biblical community and i think it's a little bit of both
1: yeah <laughs> and i think our lack of authenticity is what enables us to hide like our sin and our dysfunctions and all the stuff we don't want people to see. Um, So it's a positive thing in terms of our spiritual growth. But it's kind of foreign for a lot of us, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah. I can imagine a culture where authenticity isn't even a thing because absent a judgmental, like, absent those reasons to hide, you wouldn't ever think... Well, I need to be authentic, so as I was reading Scripture, the idea I had was these people didn't even have that concept in their minds because like they're not they're not in our culture mm-hmm. and and Paul's kind of trying to create this system where that doesn't become a thing, whereas we're living in this world where fakeness and you yeah. know facade is built into who we are, mm-hmm. and so we have to push up against that, yeah.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting to to kind of think about just the cultural impact on what authenticity looks like, and even Donna, you making that distinction between generations. Mm-hmm. I brought to mind one of the quotes that you brought up from Donald Miller of something to the extent of everyone's telling a story, or what's, what was the Everyone quote?
2: Everyone has a story, but it's not the one they're telling. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. So when I, so kind of to your kind of follow up on what you're saying, Donna, where the older generation or maybe some who Authenticity is not a thing, you know, Um, if in light of this kind of idea of being authentic, would you say that the older generation or those who don't value it? Would you say that they would look at their lives and say, I'm not authentic? You get what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. in other words, uh, they have a story and the story they're telling, they still feel like, but that's who I am. Mm -hmm. Or would they go, oh, you got me. It's, it's just a generational thing. I've been telling this fake story my whole life, and now mm. you've caught me? Or is it they don't recognize it? And that's, I guess that's just not just older generation, but that could be yeah. us younger ones yeah. too.
1: That's very complicated for me to follow. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay. And <laughs> my jet lags sleep your state. But what I think is that you know we want to be nice people. We want to be nice people, and everybody likes us, and everybody approves of everything we do. And if we live a certain way, people will approve of us. And and we think of ourselves as nice people because we're doing all the things people expect of us to do. So we think, yes, I am authentically a nice person, mm. even though I'm angry and, you know, I have all this other stuff going on inside me. Like, that other stuff going on inside me is not the real me. The real me is the nice person that I project to other people. Right?
2: Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought about that a lot as I was working on this is the more I become aware of kind of the parts of myself that are external to like me, like the things that I've kind of put on, whether it's, you know, you know, trying to impress people or trying to be liked. And if you strip that all away and you ask the question, so what is the real story? Mm -hmm. What's who is the real me? That's actually a really hard question to answer Mm -hmm. because there are bits and pieces, right? Mm -hmm. Like I could say, well, the real me is broken in this way or, The real me has these qualities, but it's almost like the longer you spend kind of putting on that facade, the less connected you become to Mm. this, this real version of yourself. And so kind of my take home, at least as I was working on this and as I'm just dealing with my own authenticity is putting back together kind of the authentic me. And, Mm. and it's not just like, it's not just taking those things away. It's reflecting on, well, well, who do I want to be and who has God made me to be? And that's a work in progress. And so I can imagine for somebody who's spent their whole life kind of, you know, trying to be nice and presentable and all those kind of things, the more distance you have from that, I don't know, authentic self, like it, it might be impossible. Not impossible, but yeah. that's a really hard, you know, if you spent 60 or 50 years mm. doing that, that might become a part of just who you are. And and so I think the awareness and kind of dealing with it is good, but it's, it is a challenge to separate those things.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what enables you not to deal with your sin and, you know, all the brokenness inside you is I think of myself as a nice person. Everybody loves me. Look at all these things I do in the community. Um so what if sometimes I just get enraged and yell at people and you know yell at my family and my kids and everything? Um, That's not who I am. So it it enables us to just cover up and not look at the sin and to grow from it. Hmm. And I think that's the value of authenticity is it helps us to see who we are and what we need to grow in and to deal with the stuff that needs to be worked on. Um,
0: Yeah, so it seems like there's kind of two two things at play right there's there's one of choosing to be authentic or not authentic Mm -hmm. and then kind of who is the Hmm. authentic version Uh of me right so i mean both are really hard Mm -hmm. and i think if of course if if you have this if you're able to recognize this truth about you whether you choose to share it or not that's going to be a big deal but just being able to recognize it is hard right Uh as you're saying like and i think that part, I think we can say scripture pushes that of the importance of being able to, to recognize and the Spirit's role in that in helping us see truths about us. Yeah. Um, but even that, how that's a process. And I think a lot of God's work of sanctification where it seems like he doesn't choose to just reveal all of it <laughs> yeah. to start with, yeah. right? But it's this ongoing process with it. And then, you know, as we begin to see it and recognize it, which is, as you said, Brandon, hard and the longer we wait the more humanly impossible it becomes but then this whole other avenue of now how do I even share that mm-hmm. you know with people so let me let's start with that first one of what are things we can do to help see some of those things mm-hmm. right I mean you talked to you Brandon you talked about just this journey for you as you begin to see kind of things that you thought were you but maybe they don't define you actually and now Mm -hmm. other things that what are some of those things that people can do to begin recognizing kind of their real selves
2: yeah you know that's i mean that's obviously like a, a really challenging thing to do um i think for me like one of the things that i've realized is like I do think like God or not God, but we kind of twist a little bit kind of the things that are authentic about us mm. and, and kind of use them and twist them to, you know, again, to to gain praise, to, to avoid shame. And so just a really good example, I, I shared this in the message a couple of weeks ago was just the idea of like trying to make people laugh, Hmm. you know, and and gaining applause through that. And someone actually came up to me after service and said, Oh, my gosh, like, I I do that, too. And um, that's such a simple example. But the thing I told him was, like, well, on one hand, you're a funny guy, like, people, people enjoy, you know, you, you making funny comments. So you don't want to, like, shut that out completely. Like God's given you the ability to make people laugh. But then, we kind of twist that and use that to be very intentional about like, okay, this is now. Mm. So I gain praise. And, and I think it's it's kind of thinking about those things that we are being very intentional about. I want to do this so that people think this, this or that about me. And so I don't know. I, I feel like there's just this mode that I go into. And I don't know if you guys relate to this where, I just feel like I'm an actor, like I'm kind mm. of stepping outside of myself and I'm, I'm thinking very carefully about like, what should I, what should I do here? And it's not like an intentional thought, but like I'm very calculated mm. and that's very different from when I'm in relationships where I feel like kind of safe and where I am being authentic and, you know, just at home with Alyssa and the kids or with really close friends. There's just kind of this ease and I'm not on Hmm. And then there's this version where, yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking too hard about, about what I'm doing. And again, there are some contexts where that's fine, right? Like you would need to do that in your job. And there are certain relationships where that's, that's probably a good thing, right? You have to kind of modify your behavior a little bit. It's when we take that kind of performance um, aspect and we put it into relationships where we need to be. Where that needs to kind of come down a little bit, but I think recognizing those things is hard, and it's it's kind of paying attention to what areas am I performing and whether it's I don't know what I say and what I do or whatever.
1: I think it goes along too with just the whole desire to fit in and to belong and to be like other people and I think Nick talked about this last week in the podcast. All right. Somebody talked about it. Maybe it wasn't. But that whole idea of like, I will gauge how I act and how I talk and what I do, depending on what other people do. Mm -hmm. Um, So if other people reveal more of themselves, then I'm more able to do that. But if everybody's on the surface, I'm just going to stay on the surface. So it's like, it's not being authentically me. It's being the me that fits into this group or this situation. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And yeah and trying to hide who I really am
0: Mm. yeah I think that's good that's great insight in terms of um, I mean even starting there right I mean just going from how do I discover my real self like it's not like a light switch it's not just something but even identifying times when we kind of know we're not Mm -hmm. and just not being okay with it or you know not that we got to beat ourselves up about it but just being able to recognize that and saying you know what like in these moments, I'm trying really hard. Yeah. In these moments, I'm, I'm kind of stressed or I'm thinking a lot about what I need to do, right? Even that, that's like a, right? There's a there's a window into our soul just from that and saying, mm-hmm. what is that saying to us about this part of me, right? And a lot of times it could be, you know, it. a lot of times it could be a combination of things, right? Like, so if you crack a joke, like you may be a funny person that may be who you are but when it's also mixed in with fear and insecurity it can now become used right as some something to please right. and stuff so not saying that telling jokes would be bad just cuz you're thinking about what jokes to tell right but just being able to think about it to kind of pause or kind of reflect and say hey why was i like that and just letting yourself go there and sit there God can use that a lot, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really helpful, just practical step, right? Like, Mm -hmm. if you find yourself trying really hard, just, you know, reflect on that and see where God takes you with that. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's one of the hardest
2: parts about it is, right, there's such a fine line between being inauthentic and just being like a sensitive, thoughtful person, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. because there is a part of it where you can't just. Like if there, you know, part of us is like mean and unhealthy, and <laughs> right, like I can't say everything I'm thinking. Yeah. Like that's that's not good, you know. So there's a part of you that's always kind of filtering stuff, and so, you know, like there's again like a really bad version of authenticity, and I, and I do think this is kind of the direction where the world is heading in, right? Where culture is heading, where it's like well, it doesn't matter if I offend people because this is who I am. Mm -hmm. And we don't want that either. And so I think this is all mixed in with like a larger picture of, you know, who God calls us to be. And like, I think a good test is kind of like, like, who am I doing this for? Mm -hmm. You know, like, again, like the, the, the jokes thing is like a, a silly example, but right. Like a lot of times, like, you know, we just, we genuinely want to make people laugh, you know, and there's like, there's a real joy that comes in that. And sometimes it's like, it's purely selfish. Like, you know, if, if some, if there's a serious conversation happening and, you know, we're making a joke that doesn't contribute to what's happening, but it's just like, cause I'm uncomfortable or because I want attention now or whatever, like, is that done in love or is that done for myself? And so I think there are things that like, maybe maybe aren't fully natural for us, but we're gonna filter out because it's it's done in love for the group, and it's just it's just a hard mm. balance to find, I think, because again, you can't just do everything you think you want to do, but you also need to to be real with people. So, yeah, and then again, I I don't fully know how to make that distinction but it's 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 part of that whole equation.
0: Hmm. Well, it's as you're saying it and you can correct me if I'm wrong but I think you you answered that in your message right where there's the the one aspect of like we just been talking about recognizing who we are and discovering that and experiencing the grace of Jesus in that, right? And then kind of that step 2 in that diagram was creating a place where Others can be authentic, Mm -hmm. right? So even kind of coming as we are, knowing who we are, discerning what we share, when we share, how we share it could be to the extent of what creates a place that is safe for everyone else, right? What would be helpful for others? What I share with, if what I share, will it help others be authentic right? or would it? make them want to hide even more. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think even that helpful distinction that you made in the talk about, you know, and it, which I thought was really profound that scriptures never tell us to be authentic. Mm-hmm. It just tells us to create a place for others to be authentic, which means we will get a place where we can be authentic. But if each one of us is using that kind of discernment in terms of like, Hey, you know, I want to share enough to help others be authentic. Yeah and they're all doing the same right we're going to create a place that that's going to take place so yeah in that sense i think that's a good tool or kind of a measuring tool to use to say like what should i share or what should i not share in these settings like what would help what would be helpful for others right
2: yeah yeah for sure i mean i definitely think we're overcomplicating it a little bit and there's a reason why i didn't go down this <laughs> this <laughs> path in the message because again, like I said, like defining pure authenticity is almost impossible, but I think you're right. And I didn't, I didn't frame it this way in the message, but the, the implication at least was if you do step one and two, if you're authentic before God and we all create space for us to be authentic mm-hmm. around each other, the third step, it's like a buy two, get one free. Yeah. If you do the first two, the third one should happen naturally mm-hmm. and it's less about trying to be authentic and more about that's just naturally going to happen. Mm, I see. And so I think if we're trying, and th- again, that was what I wanted to communicate. If you're trying to be authentic, that's not really a thing you can try to do. Mm. As soon as you start trying to be authentic, you're not being authentic <laughs> anymore, right? You're just yeah. trying to be authentic. And so, you know, as much as we could think about it, yeah. and spend 20 minutes talking about it, I do think, yeah, you're right. That's, I think those other two steps are much more important. And, it's going to come naturally when it comes naturally out of, you know, a real sense of authenticity before God and a sense of safety and security in who we are and identity. And then as we feel safe around people. So. Yeah.
0: Well, that's so profound. And like you said, you don't want to spend 20 minutes talking about it. But I love that, though. <laughs> yeah. Like if you're trying to be authentic, you're not being authentic.
2: Yeah, our whole conversation just now just proves the point that it's just pointless <laughs> to try to do it because we got nowhere, and I was just confusing myself. Hopefully, Eric edited this out, but we literally had to pause for five minutes because I couldn't catch my train of thought. Like that's how challenging that is. Yeah. Any thoughts, Nana?
1: Um She's lost. Yeah, I can tell. I am she's lost. Gone. But the one thought that came to me <laughs> that we also talked about earlier is that. Um, sometimes we use authenticity as a shield Mm -hmm. and it's not a positive thing. It's kind of the, this is just who I am. So leave me alone. Um, And I think that comes from the same thing as making authenticity, the value over all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I think
2: authenticity before God is the value and that's what we should pursue. Mm -hmm. And that's a little bit, I think that's a little bit easier to define confession, you know, just, honesty authenticity before people is the byproduct of of the other two
1: and it doesn't mean that you have to share everything mm-hmm. and that you have to be vulnerable with everything and you have to tell everybody all the stuff that's going on with you yeah, yeah. it's the authenticity before god and allowing god into all those things and then sharing what's appropriate yeah. to the situation yeah i agree
0: yeah well let's uh change gears a little bit because i think you're right. If you're if you're kind of at that end of the spectrum where you're not sure how much to tell about yourself, you know, and I think that's a whole conversation of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the th- things you addressed in your sermon, Brandon, was just h- how easy it is to hide, though. Right. So we're not even talking about how much to share, mm-hmm. but just this tendency for all of us to just want to hide and, and to not share anything mm-hmm. that's vulnerable. And I thought you sharing your second grade story. It was so powerful because I think we all have moments like that in our life, things we can remember, things we can't, that have taught us to either consciously or subconsciously hide from others, right? Mm-hmm. To put on a front. Um, and I thought, you know, to kind of ex- expand on that in terms of, you know, what are those things, right? Maybe what are other things that come to mind for for either of you that just, tell us that it's it's safer to hide. It's better to hide, right? So everything we talked about, it's better to put on a front. It's better to just impress people, get them to like you. What are those things that kind of get us to think that way? And I think a lot of us don't think that way, but we just naturally we're wired that way to do mm. that.
2: I mean, I think... I don't know. I don't know if everyone has, like, a traumatic moment that you know you would put your finger on. Because I mean, honestly, like that story was very, like, it had a big impact on me. But I mean, it's part of like a huge, larger mm. picture of um, just who I am and and how this kind of like hiding has developed in me. And I I just think it's it's the weight of like of, of of just a whole collection of experiences where i, I think we've all experienced yeah rejection and shame and, and i think a lot of that is it's it's like when when we're younger and when we're i think a lot of it comes down to like our parents um and just just these feelings that we have that like again even if you have great parents who are like super encouraging and loving like our parents aren't perfect Mm -hmm. you know i mean i i know for a fact my parents aren't (laughs) perfect (laughs) really (laughs) but right even with the best intentions like we can never perfectly feel like kind of the love and affirmation that we need and i think that's just the byproduct of a sinful world and sinful relationships And the fact that we're not in perfect relationship with God, right? So not only is God the solution to the problem of hiding, it's our separation from God that's the source of hiding Mm -hmm. and how that impacts all of our relationships. And so I think it's just going to naturally happen outside of a perfect, you know, like one-to-one relationship with God. And so... um, I think every relationship provides moments where we have more and more reason to hide. And then it just becomes this self-perpetuating cycle, right? Like Mm -hmm. once you feel like, I'm not sure if people accept me, if people love me, you know, it's easy to interpret every rejection, everything bad that happens to us, every person who doesn't return a call, every friendship that doesn't go the way we expect it to, every bad grade, to kind of filter it into this category in our minds of like, yeah. I'm not good enough. And again, if we're not getting enough in the other column that says, no, you are like that other column is going to get really, really heavy and full. And, um, and so it's almost like kind of to answer your question, it's like everything like mm-hmm. life just does yeah, that. Yeah. I can't think of any relationship or any part of our lives where we wouldn't over time just start to feel this weight of like, oh man, i am i am i good enough am i you know cool am i succeeding you know and you know we know this is true because you look at really successful people in the world and you see all this insecurity and you Mm -hmm. see people who are at the top of their professions or have the most money or the best looking but they're insecure about every other part of their lives or they think they need to do more in in whatever they're really successful at and so
1: um. yeah, I just think that's the nature
2: of life. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I do agree. I own that, you know, y- your parents, Brandon, were not perfect. <laughs> 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 but I do think that all of our woundedness, and maybe that's an extreme view, but all of our woundedness comes from our childhood. Mm-hmm. And part of, like, my mom just passed away, and part of my dealing with that and healing from losing my mom is, also forgiving her for the things that, that I get angry at her about and for my own childhood, and then seeing also just how much, um, as a parent, how much of my well-being is reflected in how well my kids do, and how, you know, I want them to be perfect because then it will make me look like a perfect parent.
2: You must feel pretty good, then.
1: <laughs> what does it feel like to be perfect, Nana? I said that's the want. <laughs> yeah, but I think we all do that. We we want our kids to be better and to portray a perfect picture to the world because it makes us feel better about ourselves. And that's an unfair expectation to put on our kids. And I think mm. that's what like really does a lot of damage. And I don't think we can help it, but I think we have to mine that for our own paths and our own personal history is that, you know, there was stuff that, that wasn't good in our own childhood that we need to deal with and remember and forgive. Um, yeah. Cause otherwise we just carry around this anger and all this, this hurt with us in all the other relationships we have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I agree with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it gets, it got me thinking at the end of the day, if I believe that there's a, Decent chance that there are going to be negative consequences to me being honest. I'm going to hide. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm either going to hide or I, I'm going to have the attitude of, "I don't care what you think." Mm-hmm. Right? That's kind of the only two choices I can resort to. Like yeah. if I really believe there's a good chance that there will be some kind of repercussions. Mm-hmm. to me being honest with those around me, right? Whether through my words or through my actions. Uh, so in that sense, there are, right? I mean, I'm, those are the two choices. So, so it got me thinking then, we can't guarantee, right, anybody that there will be no negative repercussions, right? Um, in ideal biblical community, that's what we're trying to paint this picture that there won't be, mm-hmm. right? But what are... What are the positives then of being authentic, right? Because at some point, I think there's almost a gamble that needs to take place. Like, it, I know what could happen because life has taught me what could happen if I'm honest mm-hmm. negatively, right? So I need to be convinced that the positives will outweigh those potential negatives, right? The potential positives
1: mm-hmm.
0: will outweigh the potential negatives. So, you know, and I know you talked about it a little bit, but maybe expand on that of like, what are the positives that happen when we can be authentic right and and what are the things we'd miss Mm. right if we're not being real and honest in community yeah
2: yeah i mean i think your first point is really important and like again i alluded to this without saying it explicitly but you probably you know you shouldn't be authentic perfectly authentic with everyone right Mm -hmm. like you there's this is the goal for good biblical community And, I mean, it'd be great if we had whole small groups where, like, all 12, 14 people were perfectly authentic with each other. You know, realistically, that might not happen. And it might just be, you know, with a handful of people, Mm -hmm. maybe one or two people. Um, And so, yeah, you're obviously, you're just, you know, you you do have to be careful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's okay for a lot of relationships. Um, But I do think the benefit, right, is is being known is awesome you know mm-hmm. and i think again like if you look at that think about that cycle that kind of diagram i drew you know the the arrows kept going right so it's a cycle and so as you experience acceptance and love in the context of community and you come out of hiding with people that actually is how you experience more grace from mm-hmm. jesus you know so yeah. it's like on one hand you need to just start with Me, one-on-one, me and God in my prayer life. But then one of the ways that God is going to continue to speak that acceptance into our lives is through people. And that's probably the most powerful way you're Mm going to experience it, right? Like as great as, you know, times of prayer are, there's nothing quite like somebody who you love and trust kind of sharing yourself with them and having them say or communicate to you in whatever way, like, you know, you're good you're okay. I love you. And, you know, to, to be able to experience that, you know, in, in your worst or just in your most authentic, right. Whether that's sin Mm -hmm. or just like, I'm going to be the normal, weird, (laughs) you know, quirky person I am. And I'm going to have these people in my life who say, cool. Like, I really, I really like being around Mm -hmm. you in that. Um, that's amazing. You know, and you think about kind of the power of like, a healthy marriage where you know this person (laughs) knows you at your worst and your weirdest they're like yep i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with it you know i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna wake up with you every morning and we're gonna do life together that's awesome and then you can extend that to you know close friendships and and a small group people who consistently say you know i'm gonna choose to to do life with you Mm -hmm. um Yeah. There's nothing quite like that. And the more you let your guard down and the more you come out of hiding and you're like, what people are still sticking with me? Like Mm -hmm. I just said the dumbest thing or I just embarrassed myself and people just kind of, you know, they just accept me, you know, And, and that's that's so healing, I think, to, you know, to even do those things like you said that maybe even should have had negative consequences. Mm hmm. And, and maybe did a little bit, but within the context of a safe place, people are just, you know, they don't, they're not going to hold that against you. You know, I've said things like in small group that, you know, you share something that's like, oh, I said that in a really dumb way. Or, you know, I was praying and I just, you know, it, it wasn't like a good, effective prayer. I felt mm-hmm. weird about what I said and it's like, oh, lo and behold, people still love me. And, mm-hmm. and it's still like, that's, I think that's a really cool feeling. And so. You can't get that outside of the context of actual people and actual relationships. Mm-hmm.
1: I think also if you live your life like out of fear and avoid all the things that will hurt you, you also avoid all the things that will bring you great joy. Like you can't just go the middle road and expect things to be great. It'll just be the middle road. Mm-hmm. So you know, you experience hurt and stuff happens and it's not good but you also have the potential for great joy and great love and that sense of acceptance and warmth and belonging and, and all of that. And that only comes when you take that little bit of risk.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, thank you both for sharing that because I felt like the picture you painted, right, the both of you painted, that's the reason to take that risk, right? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, like the negative consequences are the negative consequences, and I don't think we can prove to people, right, that it's not going to happen again. Right. But I think the opportunity cost of what you're giving up by not being authentic is the reason why it's worth taking that risk. Now we got to be wise and cautious, and you know I think there's a process in doing that, like we've talked about. But the picture you painted, right, is why to do it. And I always say to people too, and I know it's kind of oversimplistic in saying this, but if we hide because we're afraid of rejection. What we're already experiencing is rejection, Mm. Mm -hmm. right? So it's kind of like a you know, it's we're kind of in a lose lose situation, right? Like we're experiencing rejection and we assume that if we share, we're going to be rejected. So then we're already just experiencing rejection. So it's almost like, what do you have to lose, Mm. right? Because by hiding, you're already experiencing rejection. Mm -hmm. But if you give people the chance, they might reject you (laughs) and it'll hurt and it'll sting and you're gonna be like oh my gosh but it's kind of what you're already living in anyways Mm -hmm. by not sharing it but if you give people the chance and they accept you and they love you and embrace you right that's that's the gain that's Mm -hmm. everything to gain when you can experience that in that kind of community and i think that's why it's so important i think that's probably why scriptures intentionally did it that way that the emphasis is not on being authentic. The Mm. emphasis is on creating a place that people can be authentic. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. As you were saying that, like just one thought that occurred to me about just that whole like experience of being accepted versus rejected. I think, I think one part of the equation is to actually allow people's acceptance to like truly Mm -hmm. like hit Mm -hmm. you. I think a lot of times we feel rejection very tangibly and we acknowledge it. And then when people accept us, we kind of downplay it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they don't, they don't really love me for this reason. And we filter everything through this like rejection lens. Yeah. And so the acceptance is not as powerful or we downplay it or we assume the rejection is coming. Mm-hmm. But then when the rejection happens, it's this whole cataclysmic thing in our brains we're, I think if we kind of flipped it, you know, and we just allowed acceptance to to hit us and we, we believed and we trusted that acceptance is real mm-hmm. and we didn't look for <laughs> rejection with an acceptance, yeah. it's like then it it depowers that sense of rejection yeah. a little bit. But I think we're so trained, again, to be afraid and, and to hide mm-hmm. that we're almost looking and expecting people to reject us yeah. instead of just you know, assuming and hoping that people, you know, might accept us. And I think even that perspective can Mm -hmm. change how we experience relationships. And, you know, especially when we're in like a, like a small group scenario where, look, people are trying their best, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and as much as we might try to create those contexts of grace, it's not all going to go perfectly. We're not all perfect listeners. We're not all going to say the right thing in the right moment. Not everything is going to communicate grace perfectly Mm -hmm. and so if you're kind of looking at it with like just this assumption of rejection it's easy to take imperfect people's actions as rejection Yeah. whereas if you flip it and you say well they're really trying to accept me and Mm -hmm. that's not always communicated perfectly Um, I think that's that's really important because I don't know I think we all know people who it's like it kind of doesn't matter what you say they're always like oh well you know, really love me. Yeah, You know, but th- that's a hard place to be. Yeah, And so if that's kind of where you're at, it's hard to flip that script. Mm-hmm. But to just believe like, okay, people are trying. Yeah, People are good. People want to love me. And I accept that they can't do that perfectly. Um, But I have to be willing to accept imperfect acceptance, mm-hmm. if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's like that two-way street, right? On one hand, don't be so skeptical, like, Give people the benefit of doubt that they're trying their best to accept me. And then the other side is like the listener or the other people in the group of like knowing that it's hard to receive acceptance and a lot of times kind of a lack of response or silence Mm -hmm. we just receive as rejection, yeah, to kind of go out of your way. Yeah, yeah. To communicate acceptance, right? Like Mm -hmm. over communicate that, Mm -hmm. right? Even if it's like annoying. Mm but just because, right? So kind of both like that two way yeah. street of receiving it and giving people the doubt to receive, but on the other hand, giving it knowing that it's hard to receive and it's hard to yeah. believe that. So, yeah, well, there is, well, there was one question that we got submitted uh, online that I wanted to throw out there before we wrap up our time. And the question is, uh, what do you do when it feels like your community is pushing you into hiding instead of bringing you out? Okay. That's a, Great question. What do you do when it feels like your community is pushing you into hiding instead of bringing you out? When the ways your heart desires to serve and the things that you need out of a community are being taken away, what does it mean if a church asks an eye to no longer see or an ear to stop hearing? Specifically, if a person has the heart to serve and feels called to do it and has the gifting to do it well, but is being told they can't, how do you reconcile that with a healthy, thriving community? I just think of the passage in First Corinthians twelve about the body. So maybe the general question first: mm-hmm. uh, What do you do when it feels like your community is pushing you into hiding instead of bringing you out? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's
2: a great question, and it's it's hard to answer without knowing the exact details. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think I I think my first question would be like what like why why assume that your community is pushing you into hiding hmm. um now i may be totally off base and maybe it's a really unhealthy community but i think in most cases again like people are trying are trying their best and i think I think most people, you know, w- want, want people to be, you know, want people to feel loved. And so my question is, is, is what, what makes, what's happening that's making you feel like you need to hide? Um, and is it that people are genuinely trying to make you hide or that you feel the need to hide? And and I think that's, that's a more significant question is what's happening in me that's making me feel like I need to hide. Um, And I think again, in in that case, you know, I think the fact that, you know, it starts with, you know, our relationship with Jesus and our own sense of like kind of identity and value. um, That's where I would start as opposed to the assumption that my community is kind of pushing me into hiding but again, you know, without being able to specifically go into the details of what's happening, um, at least for that part, um, that's what I would say.
0: Hmm. Any thoughts, Donna? Um
1: Yeah, the way the question's worded, it's like almost like we have to say, well, there must be an unhealthy community. I think that was a good thing to look at is like, what's, yeah, what is happening, what's happening in your heart? Um, that, yeah, I do think the question is making an assumption that it's not really clear.
0: Mm, okay. It, so kind of going into it, there are details in terms of it seems like wanting to use certain gifts but not being allowed to use it. Uh, maybe that sheds light a little bit Right into that.
2: Well, I, I think the thing that came to mind with that is and this is just way more practical is, is setting clear boundaries in terms of community versus like serving, you know, and like obviously a ton of great community can happen in, you know, you know, when we're serving together and we're doing ministry together, but there are also just natural boundaries that come into play when, you know, you're talking about like leadership relationships. Right. And so, you know, a leader's role is obviously to love and support and, and help people, you know, be accepted and authentic. But the leader also has to consider, you know, a lot of other questions. And so a leader can't purely say, I, I need to help you be authentic. And so, it, and that, that just puts the leader in a tough spot when it's both friendship community and leadership. And so I would say probably the best type of relationship for you to explore authenticity is in a a different kind of community. And so it's not to say that you couldn't have a great relationship with whoever's leading you, but there's also, you know, there's a lot, there's just a lot of things going on there. So um, that, that would just be one suggestion is that you know that's the leader has other responsibilities too, and so look for authentic relationships maybe outside of that hmm. um, but uh, and and again, I think like there's there's way more we could get into with kind of the the first corinthians the the, mm-hmm. the body metaphor and um at the end of the day, you know we we are who God calls us to be, and that's something that we discover both you know, as we explore our gifts, but also in community and and in Mm -hmm. our relationship with our leaders. And so if, you know, if, if a leader says, you know, I, I don't see you in that role, then that's, that's a question like that has to be asked. Okay. Maybe, maybe I am not an I. Mm -hmm. And part of that passage is not, it's that passage isn't really about authenticity. It's about, accepting your role no matter how high or low it is and the idea that like well you don't have to be an eye you might be a hand or an ear or or, or whatever and you, what a leader says is a big part of that equation you know and so if other people are saying ah oh, man I, I don't think you're an eye i think you're an ear that's not them saying for you not to be authentic that's them saying i want to help you discover your authentic self and you know obviously there can be disagreement about that but i think that's not necessarily the type of passage where we're trying to explore what it means to be authentic that's actually kind of the opposite it's us exploring you know who who, accepting who we are um yeah, so I mean as hard as that is to hear, and I, I can understand the like frustration and the sense of like disappointment in that question, but I, I do think that's an important thing to take in. Like as hard as it is to hear, you know, I I don't think you're supposed to serve here, um, that's that might be the way that God is speaking into your life and in a way that could create a lot of joy and and um and acceptance long term but it takes a little bit of pain right now and that's mm-hmm. that's a tough place to be for sure.
1: Yeah, I think the the question to ask then in that situation is what might God be teaching me and yeah. like, some, where might God be leading me? Um I don't think I don't think it's ever true that I know what my gifts are and there are no other gifts. You know, I didn't learn that I could preach until I was in my 50s. I didn't learn that I had the gift of encouragement until I was in my 50s. And I think you know, there are probably other gifts you have that God might be giving you the opportunity to bring out or to learn about or to exercise, or maybe even to exercise the gifts you already think you have in different ways. Um, so I, I think the questioner is ask, is kind of viewing this as a shut door, but it's also possible it's an open door to something else that God is leading in.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely resonate with what both of you are saying. And that was a thought that came to mind too, is just not to over-spiritualize it, oversimplify it, but what is God trying to teach you? What is he trying to do in this group? Um, You know, I think just basing it on what the sermon was about, just the importance of personally experiencing that grace of Jesus and creating that, helping that create that place for others. And just with that mindset as is kind of the priority, you just never know what God might want to do in that setting right because i think uh, like as donna mentioned like maybe he's asking you to take more on a a leadership role in that group where you're helping others be more authentic and maybe it's a season where you can't be as authentic as you want to be for the sake of others and Mm -hmm. and that's something god wants to do in you um sometimes there's different i think different in an ideal world i think there's one group one community group where we can share everything and anything. And I think sometimes there's seasons where we have different community groups mm-hmm. where God kind of allows us to go a certain place with different groups. And maybe that's something to discern, like the group that you're in. You know, maybe it's it's just not that place mm-hmm. where you get to shine as the eye. And that's okay. And maybe that's a different group or as you know, maybe God's trying to speak into the giftings even more or something. But mm-hmm. I think ultimately going there, right? At the end of the day, people cannot shut a door on you, right? Like God will open the doors he wants to open. God will shut the doors that he wants to shut. And there's always a good reason. It's just hard. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the times when we feel that door, that door shut. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, well, as we... Um, well, I hope that was helpful uh, answering that question. If not, you can always submit again, and we'd be happy to follow <laughs> up on it next week. But um, anything you two would like to add before we sign off? No, that's nope.
1: all I got. Yep, I'm done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, great. Well, thank you both for sharing here. I think that the follow-up to this message, especially because it was hard, I think it was really good to be able to go deeper, and I appreciate the insights and uh, taking the time to be here. So thank you both.
1: You're welcome. Yeah, it's fun.
0: All right. Well, hope you all enjoyed the podcast. Thanks for listening.